This week on Hometown Ghost Stories. Austin, Texas is a booming capital city with a vibrant culture known for its live music, fantastic food, and some of the world's best comedy clubs. It's also known for having some of the most haunted locations in the state. From the Paramount Theater to the Oakwood Cemetery and even the Capitol Building itself, there is no shortage of paranormal hotspots. Join us as we dive into part one of the haunted history of Austin, Texas. Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Cameron rushed to grab the steel canisters to bring up to the projection room. He was running late for the first time since taking over the job, since the tragic passing of his friend and co-worker Bear. Bear was beloved in the Paramount Theater, and Cameron thought he owed it to him to always do the best job possible, which is why this slight tardiness was eating him up inside. He rushed through the lobby with the smell of buttery popcorn filling his nostrils and made it to the seemingly never-ending staircase. Sweat started to pour down his forehead as he burst through the door to the narrow projection booth. He quickly started to set up the film, and as he did, a gigantic cold air filled the booth. It quickly caught Cameron's attention, but he just as quickly dismissed it. He had to get Citizen Kane running within the next few minutes, or the movie would go on late. And movies never started late at the Paramount. But every time he tried to get the projector running, it would just make a loud whirring noise. It almost came across like a laugh, like the projector was taunting him. He radioed down to his manager and let him know about the issues he was having. A few minutes later... The door flung open, and the two continued to try to get the equipment to work. As they were, Cameron felt something grab him by the shoulder. He snapped his head around and saw no one. What he did notice was that he had forgot something vital. When Bear ran the booth, he would always bring a Snickers and soda up with him. Sadly, Bear had actually passed away in the booth during a showing of the classic film Casablanca. Now, before showings, the theater worker running the projector would always bring up a soda and Snickers bar for Bear. In Cameron's rush, he had forgotten it. In a frenzy, he looked at his manager and yelled, I'll be right back. He rushed to the concession stand and grabbed a soda and Snickers and headed back up. As he set it down in its normal spot, the projector clicked on. Cameron and his manager looked at each other in disbelief. As they stood there, Bear's old crew hat that hung next to a picture of him in the booth fell to the ground. A tip of the cap from their old friend for bringing him his nightly work snack. I'm Rob Coakley, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Austin, Texas, Part 1.
years after the Republic of Texas declared its independence from Mexico, the area known as Waterloo was selected to be the new capital, and the name was changed to Austin after the late Stephen F. Austin, the father of Texas. Although 1839 is a relatively recent date on the scale of human civilization, evidence of human habitation in the area now known as Austin can be traced back 11,000 years. Two of the oldest Paleolithic archaeological sites in Texas are located southwest and southeast of present-day Austin, respectively. The area was inhabited by nomadic Native American tribes for several hundred years before the arrival of European settlers. At the time of Austin's founding, the Tonkawa tribe was the most common, along with the Comanches. The first state capitol building was built in 1836 and was nothing more than a small farmhouse. After Austin was named the capital city, another more formidable building was built and was universally disliked by locals who cited it as an architectural monstrosity. It burned down in 1881. The 302-foot-tall Italian Renaissance Revival-style capital building that currently stands was built in 1885 by architect Elijah E. Myers and stands taller than the U.S. Capitol building in Washington. The building was originally going to be made from limestone, but shortly after the construction began, the stone started to discolor due to the atmosphere, so Myers made the decision to switch to the now iconic Texas Sunset Red Granite, giving it its distinct look. One of the first things visitors see when they approach the historic building is the Confederate Soldier Monument. The monument, built in 1903, consists of five bronze figures on the base that represent the Confederate military, infantry, cavalry, artillery, and navy. At the top of the monument, standing far above the other figures, is Jefferson Davis, the President of the Confederate States. The building was set to serve as the nation's capital had the Confederates won the Civil War. The same year the monument was erected, there was an unrelated political assassination. Robert Love was the state controller at the time, and William G. Hill was his ex-employee. One day, Hill walked into the office of his former employer and handed Love a letter. In his letter, Hill expressed his contempt for the way things had been operating at the Capitol. He was quoted to say, Public offices are created for the service of the people and not for the aggrandizement of a few individuals. Hill continued that the man who, claiming to be a Christian, deprives others of employment without a cause is a base hypocrite and a tyrant. In the enclosing, Hill issued his threat, I cannot help myself, before laying life's burden down, I shall strike a blow, feeble though it be, for the good of my deserving fellowmen. His final words, written in all capital letters, read, For the right against the wrong, for the weak against the strong. Love stood reading the letter when Hill pulled out a gun and shot him twice in the chest before fleeing the office. He was pursued by the Capitol's chief bookkeeper, who struggled to apprehend the shooter. During the struggle, Hill's gun went off again, accidentally killing himself. The tragic death of Robert Love has led to one of the Capitol building's most famous hauntings. Many people over the years have encountered the disembodied spirit of the slain politician. He appears to people when they're alone in the building often accompanied by a drop in temperature, and whispers an ominous remark. I have no idea why he shot me. May the Lord bless him and forgive him. I cannot say more. The building is also haunted by a mysterious woman in a red dress. Legend has it, many years ago, she fell in love with the legislator she was having an affair with. 
When the man refused to leave his family for her, she killed herself, and now her ghost wanders the staircase of the Capitol building, endlessly waiting for him to change his mind. One visitor claimed to see her in the stairway and approached her to ask if there was going to be some sort of reenactment, but the woman just looked annoyed and disappeared. Another time, a janitor was startled when she appeared and scolded him for the annoying sweeping noise he was making with the broom. The last notable haunting at the Capitol building is the ghost of Governor Edmund Jackson Davis, who served as governor of Texas for one term from 1869 to 1873. Previously, he infamously abandoned the Confederate Army to fight for the Union during the Civil War. Davis was highly unpopular among former Confederates, and although most material written about him for many years was unfavorable, he was considered to have been a hero for the Union Army. He died in 1883, and it's believed his ghost haunts the Capitol building. Like Robert Love, his apparition is often accompanied by a drop in temperature, something particularly unusual during the sweltering summer months of Austin, Texas. His apparition is reported to glare at people with his trademark stoic expression before disappearing into thin air. In February of 1915, the construction of a new theater to be known as the Majestic began, and it would be completed within eight short months. The theater would open on October 11th, selling 1,000 tickets at 25 cents apiece for a variety show that received rave reviews from locals. 1916 would see the world-famous Harry Houdini arrive at the theater and put on shows, including escaping from a contraption made by five University of Texas students. The 1920s would see vaudeville acts dominate the stage at the Majestic, including acts like the Marx Brothers. But the theater would also begin showing silent films as well. The 30s would see the theater move more towards cinema, even changing the name to the Paramount Theater as we know it today, as they were showing Paramount Studio movie premieres. Over the next few decades, the theater would show movies such as Dracula and The Wizard of Oz to guest, with plays still being performed as well, including Katherine Hepburn performing live. Some other notable performers at the Paramount over the years were Dolly Parton, Willie Nelson, George Carlin, and Dave Chappelle. Plays such as Stomp and West Side Story also came through here, as well as movie premieres like Batman 1966, with most of the cast showing up in full costume and makeup. In 2014, the Paramount even hosted its first sitting president, as Barack Obama came to the theater to speak in front of Austin. The ghosts that haunt the theater also seem to span throughout time. The ghost of an elderly man in one of the opera boxes has been haunting the theater for years. Although his apparition has been seen, more frequently, people report smelling cigars coming from the box, even though no one is there. In 1963, theaters in Austin were desegregated, and shortly after, Edgar Walter Norris Jr., more commonly referred to by Walter, or to his close friends by Bear, would be one of the first African-American projectionists in the city. He would go on not only to be just a projectionist, but also a stagehand for the theater for over 30 years. On May 26, 2000, Walter would pass away in the projection booth while showing one of his favorite films, Casablanca. 
The theater has honored him by hanging a picture of him above the doorway, along with his hat and gloves, in the projection room. It appears Beer hasn't left the theater, though. Since his passing, employees have reported tricks being played on them, especially projectionists that don't bring up a soda and Snickers to the projection room. In fact, when setting up a new digital cinema package, they could not get it to work. Perplexed and looking for answers, a production member looked around and frantically cried out, Oh my goodness, we don't have a soda or Snickers up here. They ran down and got the items, and within three minutes, the camera started playing with no further issues. There have also been EVPs captured with responses that were very specific answers that could only be by their beloved bear. And then there's the phantom of the Paramount. A woman in a white dress is often seen on the mezzanine walking toward the south wall of the theater. It's believed she predates the theater itself. In the 1800s, next to where the Paramount stands today, was where the War Department of the State of Texas sat. It's believed the woman is desperately trying to get to the War Department to find out the fate of her husband. Although many have seen this woman in white, in 2019, pianist Chad Lawson had just completed soundcheck. He then did his tradition of taking photos of the theater he's in before leaving. As he returned to his hotel and looked at the photos, his jaw dropped. In the first and third picture, everything seemed normal. But in the second picture, he saw a woman in white standing in the mezzanine. Perplexed, when he went back to the theater, he asked staff if it could be anyone working. They informed him that no one was up on the floor during that time period at all. The Oakwood Cemetery is the oldest of its kind in the city of Austin, Texas. It was originally called the City Cemetery and dates back to the mid-1850s. The graveyard was renamed the Oakwood Cemetery at the beginning of the 20th century, and an extra 40 acres were annexed to it. Over the years, a mortuary chapel was added, designed by Charles Henry Page and later remodeled in 1944 by local architect J. Roy White. In total, over 23,000 people are buried at Oakwood. The cemetery is widely regarded as one of the most haunted in the state of Texas, and a long list of notable figures buried here is important because many believe that several names on this list may just be the identity of some of the ghostly apparitions witnessed haunting the graveyard. Susanna Wilkerson married Elmaro Dickinson in 1829. The couple moved to Texas the following year. Her husband was one of the Old Gonzales 18. A small group of Gonzales citizens who began the face-off with the Mexican army which resulted in the Battle of Gonzales. After this battle, he left his wife behind to join the Texan Volunteer Army in San Antonio. In early 1835, the Dickinson house was vandalized when a group of militia members passed through Gonzales and threatened Susanna's life. She eventually made her way to San Antonio where she would end up joining several other women taking refuge in the Alamo when the Mexican army led by General Santa Ana laid siege to the fort. Following the battle, in which her husband and the rest of the Texan defenders were killed, Susanna was sent by Santa Ana with a message for General Sam Houston. She delivered this message and then fled east. Susanna is best remembered for her role as a messenger following the Battle of the Alamo. 
and her eyewitness accounts of the battle that she provided over the years. She gave her last known account shortly before her death in 1883. Her ghost is one of the most commonly seen full-bodied apparitions that haunt Oakwood Cemetery to this day. It's said that she constantly appears to strangers and is one of the most visually arresting ectoplasmic visions of the graveyard. John Barclay Armstrong was a Texas Ranger, U.S. Marshal, and rancher. He was also the man who apprehended the legendary killer, John Wesley Hardin. Hardin was a cold-blooded serial killer who claimed that he had murdered over 42 men. After chasing him around the entire country, John Barclay Armstrong finally was able to apprehend him on a train in Florida. Armstrong died in 1913 and was buried in the Oakwood Cemetery. Quote, He's really one of the more colorful figures and haunts of the place. Barclay, and some say even Wesley, are said to walk the Oakwoods at night. People standing outside the gates and looking in have reported the sound of gunshots and gunpowder flashes. The general consensus is that Wesley and Barclay are up to their old tricks in settling scores. The ghost of Confederate General Thomas Green, who died along with most of his troops while charging a federal gunboat during the Red River campaigns, is also reported to haunt the graveyard. His spirit has been spotted countless times, wandering among the headstones. Several people have also reported hearing phantom hoofbeats, and it's believed that he is stuck in a loop repeating his death over and over again. One of the most chilling ghost sightings at Oakwood is that of Eula Phillips. She was just 17 years old when she was murdered on Christmas Eve, 1885. She was married at the time, and her husband was accused and found guilty of brutally murdering her with an axe. But when other victims matching her profile started showing up around the Austin area, he would later be exonerated as it became clear that the real killer was still out there. She was the first of eight victims, and the killer was never caught. Some even theorize that the servant girl killer as he became known, may have been one and the same as, you guessed it, Jack the Ripper himself. They say he could have started in Texas before moving on to Whitechapel, where those slayings began less than three years after her death. Some claim to see her ghost haunting the cemetery at night, where her cries can be heard, and psychics say that they sense her spirit at night, claiming that she appears as a frightened child who roams the cemetery, wailing and bemoaning her lot. I'm Jesse Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Austin, Texas. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Hometown Ghost Stories, episode number 113, Austin, Texas, part one, covering a few of the haunted locations, a few of the many, many haunted locations in the great city of Austin, Texas. I'm Jesse Wilkins. I'm joined by Rob Coakley. Hello, Rob. I've been thinking all week about when you build a shrine to me, what type of candy I want you to place at my altar. The correct answer is probably a Reese's cup but maybe mix it up and throw me some Nestle Crunch here and there as well. 
We're just going to leave you some insulin. Uh, we're also joined by Dave. Hello, Dave. What's going on? Not too much. So Austin, Texas, as we had mentioned and streamed from and posted about, we did go to Austin, Texas to film this episode live. So most of the footage that you saw there was captured by our own cameras. And uh, what a fun city it truly was. But without further ado, we covered three of the 30 million haunted locations in Austin yes. here. We focused on those. We covered the Paramount Theater, we covered the Capitol Building, as well as the Oakwood Cemetery. All of these locations, very haunted. And luckily for us, they were all relatively close to each other. So we were able to hop on these little motorized scooters and buzz around the city of Austin and make it to each of them. And lucky us, it was the coldest and windiest day of the entire year. <laughs> <laughs> So we froze to the scooters, but we, uh, we did make we it. We only almost died once. There was only one altercation with a vehicle that almost hit Dave that made him stop. That made me almost flip over him. But luckily me and Dave are X game veterans. We were able to scoot our way to safety and, uh, everybody's okay. Mm. That was the, the Mercedes that was pulling out of the parking lot. Right. And I, they, I, I think so. And they just missed me. So I scoop out and I, I literally like, as I'm scooting back, cause I'm such a clown, I just go, please don't hit me. I say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked because they didn't. And then, uh, then I look back, I'm like, oh, they might hit the rest of us though. <laughs> and I look back and I see, I think Rob Dave had bailed. seen it out of the way and Rob bailed and was just <laughs> galloping, trying to keep his balance. Running so fast. I, I still have, the speed when needed. Yeah, Rob had exercise in years, and there, there, there he is jogging across <laughs> the middle of the road. They do yeah, those things get up a little over twenty miles an hour, which is pretty fast for a for a bird scooter. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. If you uh, ever want to see something intimidating, it's, it's uh, us three whipping around on bird scooters. Anyways, that was uh, that was how we got around to all these haunted locations. But we did visit several, as well as a few that we left off the list. So next week we're going to cover the Driscoll Hotel, which is obviously many believe is the most haunted area or at least the most haunted building in Austin, Texas. I'm sure some people would debate that, but there are lots of haunted stories that we'll get to on that. And then we also visited the, um, the university campus university as well. Texas. Yeah. I even wore, I tried to wear burnt orange tonight. This is as close as I get to burnt orange for my ward wardrobe. So we should start with who we're dedicating this episode to. And that is VIP patron, Lisa J was our very first VIP patron 20 months ago. So thank you, Lisa, for being a VIP patron for 20 months. That's awesome. You are awesome, Lisa. So we discussed this. We did go to the Capitol building. Dave and Rob went inside, but me, like the tool that I am, and because I'm super dedicated to this show, I had pockets full of ghost hunting equipment, and I didn't feel like explaining myself going through the metal detector, so I chose to stay outside and film the grounds and uh, there are the, actually the grounds are really beautiful. They have a lot of really cool statues, some monuments, and it's a uh, it's a pretty cool area. So I'm glad you I'm glad you did that because I went and put the video my portion together and used a bunch of the video that I took inside, which was fine. And then I went back and I saw that you had a separate folder with all your video files in it, and you had really nice video footage of the outside that you got. So I'm like, oh, I shit. nothing else to do. I was standing out there for 45 <laughs> minutes. I got a film. <laughs> yeah, swap it all out. Yeah. So tell me about the inside of the building that I didn't go to because I was um, afraid. It's huge. It's I think the it's in the top six of the tallest state capitol buildings all over the nation. It's even taller than. Uh, then uh, what Rob, what are, you, what are you looking at? <laughs> what a weird for? fact to know. <laughs> it's the weirdest fact you could throw out about a building. It's in the top six. <laughs> it's in the top it's six, in the top six. Of, of, of all state capitals. 
the planet. I don't know why. What? Not on the planet. In, in the in the country. Okay. Okay. Tell, tell there us more. Lot, there aren't a lot of countries that have states, so <laughs> right. it's probably in the world as well. Yeah. Well, maybe, but um, I think Australia has states. But I could be wrong. I'm not. I'm not the guy. You got any more uh, absolutely useless facts you want to bring up before you hop on the hauntings here? <laughs> Uh, it's huge. It's bigger than the the U.S. state capital in Washington, which we also covered. I think it's not as big as the Nebraska one, which might be the biggest. Dave's but, just about to tell us how big the state capital is in relation to how many fish bowls could fit inside of it. <laughs> now, if all of the security guards were to stand on each other's shoulders, how many would we have to stack up before we reach the top of the sixth highest capital building in the United States? Yes. Anything but the metric system we will use here. <laughs> So the, the the capital is haunted by three ghosts primarily. We talked about all three of them in the beginning. The first one is the ghost of poor Robert Love. And he was the state controller back in the early 1900s. And he was murdered by one of his employees, employees who he fired, which is a, a, is a shitty way to go. And it was a really weird way that this guy performed this assassination. He wrote Love a letter, which is confusing. Was it a love letter? <laughs> it was technically a love letter, but not in that <laughs> not in that context. And uh, it was full of uh, misspellings. Like he spelled weak, W-E-E-K, instead of W-E-A-K. So I thought that was kind of weird. And then uh, as he's reading the letter, he shoots the hey, guy in the chest. Fired? He was a dumbass animal. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. Absolutely <laughs> warranted, in my opinion. Exactly. And then he he flees. And then there's he gets pursued by the bookkeeper, and they struggle for the Imagine gun pursued by <laughs> I know like you can't you can't take a bookkeeper <laughs> you have a gun and, but what he going to do read to me <laughs> <laughs> but uh then they they they're fighting and the gun goes off and he accidentally shoots himself so uh a big L that Mr. Hill took that day but he's not the one who haunts the the building that is the ghost of Robert Love and he allegedly haunts the building in his top hat and coat and it can be seen on foggy Baller. days walking up the front steps. They say he's a, a nice ghost, despite the way he died, which is good to hear. Yeah, the second ghost is my favorite, and that's the ghost of the woman in red. And she seems like a feisty character. So they don't know exactly who she is, or the the story seems a little bit more like legend than than historical fact, because there's no record on who she was, therefore no record on whether or not she actually died. It's just one. It's just kind of that story that you always hear. The woman falls in love with a man. The man doesn't love her back, so she kills herself. Which is, uh, I'm going to guess, made up 90 percent of the time. But maybe it's not. To be fair, who knows? But in, she in most you, you got to assume like every single building has that haunting. We know this. It's usually mm -hmm. a woman of white, but it's always got that same same story. It's either they fell in love and he didn't want her, or she got pregnant and was ashamed. And, you know, it's, it's always seems to be the same ghost story. I'm just not saying that it never happens because obviously it has, but for it to happen at almost every single haunted location seems like a reach. Yeah, absolutely. But she's uh, seems like a, a feisty ghost. She appears in the stairway mostly, but she's always annoyed or snapping at people. Like there was the one witness account of somebody who was visiting the building and approached her asking if there was a reenactment and she got super annoyed and huffed and puffed and disappeared. And then there was the, the janitor who she appeared just to tell him to shut up because he was sweeping too loud. So <laughs> this ghost, this, this ghost me. amuses me. <laughs> me as a ghost. I know. Sweep, sweep quieter asshole. Like, that's insane. 
it's a, it's a great haunting. Seems like a ghost that uh, if it is an actual haunting that might not be aware that she's a ghost. That's what it mm. seems like to me. That's fair. correct. Yep. And then the last one is the the ever unpopular former governor of Texas uh, and Edmund Jackson Davis. Now this guy, he led a pretty interesting life. I briefly went over it in, in the beginning, but he moved to Texas. He was from Florida. He moved to Texas and became a lawyer at a very young age, became a judge at a very young age. And then when the civil war broke out, he, despite being in like the heart of the Confederacy, decided that he was not going to jump on board with that. He was, um, he was an abolitionist. He was not pro slavery and he was not pro secession. So he left and joined the union actually met Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, uh, set him up with uh, an infantry to go collect weapons for the Union. And he ended up leading a pretty successful battalion against the Confederates. And nice. for that fact, he was very much disliked after the war by all the pro-Confederates in the Austin area. You'd was think still, so. yeah. You would, but it's, it's, it's weird because he still won the race for governor. For well, one it goes term. to show that not everybody was you know, pro-Confederate or, or pro-slavery or anything like that. Yeah, so where for sure. You can go back and win re-election. It goes to show that not, you, you think of like the South at that time and you think like, oh, everyone was, you know, pro-Confederacy and, and wanted slavery to be a thing and everything like that. But it just wasn't the case, especially if you can go down into one of those places after the war and, and win election there. Right. No, and that, that's a good point too. I, I definitely wasn't implying that everybody in that area was pro, was pro-Confederacy, but uh, obviously a lot of them were. Um, but he won the the race for governor, but he lost his second term and he uh, is not looked favorably, looked upon favorably in history, but he died. I couldn't figure out how he died, but he did die and his ghost is seen haunting the state capitol as well. He appears with that real stoic, dark glare and stares people down before disappearing, which is pretty unsettling. It is. I do wonder if it's like direct eye contact, if they just notice him kind of standing there all stoically because if it's direct eye contact, then it could be an intelligent haunt, but it sounds a little bit more like it's a residual thing. Mm -hmm. For sure. Do we but think the lady in the red dress is very mean to loud chewers? Because if so, then we need to start bringing her places with us. Mm. I bet. I'm not a fan of the loud chewers. Yeah, the loud chewers. Like, just close your mouth, bro. And, and we can get a ghost to tell them to. They probably will. They're not going to listen mm. to us. I don't know if there's a lot of uh, ch loud chewers in the state capital. It's not like a restaurant. You don't. People have lunch, Dave. That's true. People bring their lunch to work. I suppose that's a fair point. Moving on. Yeah, no. we want to talk about food. <laughs> <laughs> this was a, this was an impressive building. Me and Rob got to to walk around. I got to go all the way up to the top of the of the tower there or as high as you can go at the stairs will let you, I think it's four or five levels on the inside and it is, it's an impressive yeah. building. Some say the sixth tallest state capital. <laughs> Some say that country. at least one person says that <laughs> at least one. We I hope I didn't make that up. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's so specific that I had to have read it somewhere, but yeah, they, this, there's a lot of cool things in this building. I particularly took a liking to the big hinges that say yeah. Texas State Capitol right on the hinges. Rob, you actually pointed out to me. You're like, get a video of that. <laughs> like, that's yeah, crazy. That was the coolest thing we saw in there by far. Yeah, it really was. Didn't see any ghosts. And we didn't we didn't get to uh, investigate it any with any equipment because Jesse was too much of a coward Jesse, to bring it in. <laughs> what, a, what a bitch Jesse was. 
Hey, if I, if I got in, we'd have no outside footage of the building, apparently. So, you know, it was uh, work had to be done. We got to divide and conquer. True, Imagine true. not wanting to try to explain what a REM pod is going through security at the Capitol building after we already had to do that at the airport. Yeah. In fairness, when I said divide and conquer, I wasn't talking about dividing and conquering the state Capitol building. I'm not going to do that. So Good that is the Capitol building. Moving on, we can go into the uh, let's jump to the Paramount. Yeah, the uh, cemetery, but yeah, Paramount was super cool. We did go visit that. We did take a ghost tour and they brought us over there, told us some of these stories. There was some sort of a show going on. So I guess usually they could bring you inside and, and take a look around. I don't know if you'd get up to the projection room or anything like that, but it was actually a pretty cool, um, pretty cool ghost story going on there. It was, it was, there was a few, but I, I really like the one with the projectionist. Well, you get, uh, a ghost that passed away more recently than maybe anything we've ever covered on this show before where he actually passed away in the year 2000. So people are always like, when are we going to have a ghost from 2000? We actually have one here and it's and like you said, Jesse, it's a very, very cool story, but not only do we have the ghost of bear, uh, the projectionist, we do have some older hauntings. This building is super old. I believe it was 1915 that it was built. But we had history here before where this was the the army building essentially in Austin right next to it. So you have the 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 Phantom of the Paramount Paramount. And they believe that she was searching for her, not searching for her dead husband like we usually hear, but going to find out the fate of her husband by going to this building and asking. And she's not just seen in the theater. I saw reports that people have seen her on the street as well. So she's not contained to the building. When she's in there, she's usually on she's usually on the mezzanine. And since we're jumping into this, let's just jump right into the pictures that were shared. I'm gonna pull them up here and we're gonna kind of talk about it. But there was a pianist that was getting ready to do a show at the Paramount. And during sound check, he likes to take pictures of the of the empty theater. And I totally understand that. We've done similar things in the past, right? Where we will take pictures of the setup of where we are, multiple pictures, and you know, for whatever reason, sometimes for ourselves. But if you look here on this one, we're gonna we're gonna jump to the picture and he's got a picture of the theater. You can see the piano. And if you look up on the top, there is this really unsettling picture of a woman standing at like one of the entryways. She, the, the picture is slightly blurry, but she essentially she's wearing a white dress. It looks like, and she has no face mm. and he didn't even see this when he posted the picture originally. So I'm going to read the Facebook post to you guys. I don't want to pull it up on stream just because there are some pictures of, um, there are some names on it as well that I just don't want to blast people's names. But when he posted that picture, I just showed of it. He wrote on his Facebook, Austin, let's have some fun. See you tonight um, at the Paramount theater. So he didn't even acknowledge, he didn't see the woman at first and he got pointed out to him, which reminds me of the skull in the fire in Bridgewater. Right. Yep. So 
Then he comes back after he does that and he shows um, the three pictures that he took. And I'm going to show you guys the three pictures that he took here as well. And the three pictures. I think you're doing a great job. No, it's good because you were like, well, I don't want to post it up with names. And then you posted it up with all the names. Then there. I did anyways, right? <laughs> <laughs> but whatever. I mean, look at, look at these. These are the three pictures he took. This is the, a rapid fire succession of pictures. The first one, there's nothing there. The second one, you see the woman. And the third oh, one, yeah. she's gone again. Oh, that is weird. So these are like a click, click, click situation. So very, very cool. Um, very unsettling. But I thought that was very cool. Why that was left off the ghost tour we went on. You I know, have no clue. I was going to say, like, you, you take a picture like that and it gets posted online. Yeah. Right. If that's a rapid fire succession of three pictures, boom, boom, boom. That's paranormal. It is. Yeah. That is photographic evidence of a ghost, especially if she has no face. But it gets written off by people by saying, oh, it's photoshopped or, you know, or it could be photoshopped or it could have somehow been a lady standing there. And people will say there's zero evidence of ghosts. And that's because all of the evidence that's ever presented is just written off as either photoshopped yeah. <laughs> yeah. or just something different. Right. So, I mean, being perfectly honest, when I first saw the picture, I was like, there's just some lady who got yeah, in same. a frame. But if it's a rapid fire, three bursts uh, photo, or if that's what it, the camera mode he was on, or if he just took three quick pictures, there's clearly, I mean, it's beyond obvious that there is a figure standing there. Whether or not it's a ghost, I don't know. I, I really just struck me as you caught a picture of a lady who probably dipped in. was like, oh, he's taking pictures and, and dipped out or, or whatever. It just seemed like there was a person up there. Was he supposed to be in the building all by himself? Yeah, he was doing sound check for a show later that evening. And well, he was in that area by himself. There was staff there. So he went to he went back to the Paramount because he had the show that night. And he actually started asking staff that were there. They were like, he was like, Was there any did you guys have a, a female working on the mezzanine when I was doing sound check earlier? And they said there was only one female that was working in the building at that particular time, which I believe was the manager. So he went and talked to her and she said, I, I never went up on the mezzanine. She's like, I'm trying to think if there was a reason I went there at all. And she's like, I'm basically 99% sure I never went up there. There was no reason for me to go up there. My duties don't include me going to there, according to him after interviewing these people. So hmm. um, no one should have been up there. And it's clearly the figure of a woman in some sort of white dress. So there was only one female in the building at that particular time it's just a it is a crazy crazy picture it's one of the you know more compelling photos we've seen on this show after 113 episodes it is i mean if it's a it if it's a ghost photo did you say were, were these photos snapped on a, a cell phone or is it an actual camera i be, i believe it was an actual camera because he shows the camera that he took it on was like a can might have been a canon or something like that as well okay, so it was a legitimate camera so that would have the the burst thing or it could have just been back to back you know or rapid photos or whatever you can do rapid photos if you tap the screen on an iphone you can do rapid rapid photos yeah it either way possible. like i said it, when I saw it at first, it did strike me as that you just that's just a woman standing in the picture but due yeah. to location due to the fact that they were supposed to be in the building all by himself Staff say they weren't up there at the time, then it, it could be something paranormal. Wait a second, though. So he said that this photo was posted and he didn't notice it at first. Somebody pointed it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So why did he so post it? Why, why was he taking rapid fire photos of that exact spot? 
because he takes several photos in succession of the location that he's setting up for the show that evening. That I understand, but because if we, you took like it to, said, if we've if, done if, that as well, right? If your phone's set on burst mode, that's perfectly fine. Or you're, you're even if you're, or if you're using a Canon or whatever kind of camera you're using, if it's set on burst mode, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But what is the thought process of posting the same picture three times on Facebook? He didn't. He, he only posted. posted he only posted the one with the woman. Oh, luckily, and then, and then he went back and pulled up the other photos and then pulled okay. up the other ones afterwards gotcha. and compared them. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So Before, that's why the one of the woman is a little bit um, better because the three here are compressed so that you can see the area. So we we have the classic ghost story where we don't know who this old man is, but he sits up in the box smoking a cigar. People smell the cigar, which is not an uncommon ghost haunting in Austin. Apparently, every building has somebody that's smoking cigars inside of them. But then we have the one of of Bear, the, the projectionist. And let's dive into that one a little bit more because... Here's a guy that I was able to pull pictures, more modern times photos of this guy. These aren't 1800s. These aren't early 1900s. This man lived in our lifetime, right? He, We were in high school when this man was still alive. So he, he worked at this theater for over 30 years. He's the first black projectionist in the state of Austin. And by all accounts, beloved. I read memorials written to this man. This guy couldn't find a bad word about this guy. This dude was like just one of the best friends, best workers that you had of all time in, in the Paramount. He was there during the tough times. This, this building almost folded. They almost tore this building down. It, it, they went through hell to keep the Paramount open. And I saw other people posting that they've seen. They have the Paramount theater within their towns or cities as well. That's because in the 1930s, 1940s, a lot of, a lot of people, a a lot of studios that were in Hollywood would have a deal with theaters and they would rename the, the theater after that studio. So that's why you got a lot of Paramount studios that are still open today. But this is one of the longest running theaters, uh, on, it's probably one of the top six running theaters in the country. If not, not tallest, not tallest, top six (laughs) tallest. So (laughs) yeah. uh, To address two things. Number one is it's the Paramount theater, not the Paramount studio. And number two is it is actually not the city. It's not the state of Austin would be the city of Austin, state of Texas. Did I say state of Austin? Yeah. And it's been bothering me for six minutes. Uh Well, the Paramount studio I was bringing up because that's who yeah, yeah, I after. So mm-hmm. anyways, this, this man, very beloved, ends up passing away in the projection booth while he's playing his favorite movie. And very sad. They put a shrine up basically to him above the doorway in the projection booth. They have his picture up there. They have his hat. They have his gloves. And ever since he passed away, there's people that have said that they have tricks played on them by a ghost. And it's like similar to stuff that Bear would have done during his real life, like like during during his lifetime, which is which is interesting. But the the funniest one is they buy this whole new digital camera setup, and they're trying to hook it up, and they can't hook it up, and they always bring this soda and a Snickers up, you know, sort of like an an offering 
to bear for things to go well. And they're trying to set up this new camera. They can't get the damn thing to work. And one of the guys in there looks around. There's no soda and candy. Instead of calling somebody or looking up a YouTube tutorial, to like we gotta go get the soda and the candy. They bring it up, and they said within three minutes, the project the the digital camera started playing the movie they wanted it to play. It's actually an absolutely amazing story. That's funny. And you know what? I can I can understand how they would forget it on that occasion because it seems like it's like a routine. Okay, shifts kicking off. Let's bring up our offering to the ghost. And they bring up the the bar, the, the candy bar, and they bring up the soda, and they put it there. But this might have been like an off day. Maybe they're showing up on a Sunday morning or something like that when there's no showings going on just because they got to get the new camera going. So they didn't have their normal routine of going to get the snacks and bringing them up. They just went yeah. straight to business, and they were distracted, forgot to do it, and then there you go. Boom, it worked. So that's pretty cool. $5 from Thick Boy Freddy in Super Chat says, This just in, the state of Austin has officially succeeded and incorporated itself into the state of Texas. <laughs> Thank you for that. So that Rob yeah. is actually right again. Yeah, what do you know? This is what I do. Um, I just read about everything, but very, very cool to get more of a modern haunting about a guy that was a very good guy who was beloved in life and is a more playful haunting, right? Like where he's just mm -hmm. playing jokes and there's even been EVPs. And that was one of the other big things is there was EVPs where a man's name was brought up and the EVP caught somebody saying gentleman. That wasn't in the room. Yep. And that was a call sign between Bear and the guy's name that was brought up. That's what they called each other. So very cool stuff like that. Um, the Paramount, awesome building. I wish we could have got inside. One of my few regrets in Austin, we didn't have enough time to do everything, but I would have liked to have at least been able to go take a peek around the Paramount Theater, maybe next time we're in Austin. Exactly, yeah. Again, they did have some sort of event going on there, so we weren't able to get in. Um, this is an important question. Lacey asked, what do they do with the Snickers afterwards, though? You can't eat an offering. And I beg to differ. During communion, when they're passing the plate of money around, I would just eat, eat the it? money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, not where you thought I was going with communion, did you? Um, that is a good question, though. What do they just have, like a stockpile of old Snicker bars up there, or what? I'm not. I'm not sure. I I do know that they say if you get him a king size, that ensures nothing wrong is going to happen. Oh, the good so stuff. So they're, they're bringing up the big ones. That's like too. what you do on Halloween to make sure the shitty kids in the neighborhood don't egg your house. You give them the big candy bars, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So not me. I just sit on my porch with a gun. They don't fuck around. <laughs> It's very Austin of you. Very yeah, state of Austin. I got back from Texas. I'm a changed man. <laughs> Halloween's not going to be the same around these parts. <laughs> nice. So that's the Paramount. I mean, it has two. I mean, there's three hauntings there. They, I've also read about other hauntings within the building. They believe one of the former managers haunts the building as well, where he was moving bar stools in the 70s. So I, I did read that. So it's not limited to the three spirits, but the two prominent ones, right, that people are frequently seeing are the lady in white, the phantom of the paramount, if you will, and bear who hasn't been seen as an app apparition, but there's everything yeah. adds up to it being him. Yeah. Presence has been felt. And then the, the EVPs are the hard evidence of, of who exactly it is. And yes just the way he's greeting people and stuff. And we were able to hear some of those EVPs while we were on our ghost tour. And they were, they're actually pretty good EVPs. So to say they were class A EVPs, if you will. So yes. that is the Paramount Theater. Anything else there? That's going to do it for the Paramount right now. Cool. So uh, the other spot that we did visit, and we, we did a couple live streams from there. 
was the Oakwood Cemetery. And this is actually a very cool cemetery. It's huge. We actually legitimately only saw half of it. And there was a whole other half across the street, but this one seemed to have the cooler looking headstones and some of the more historical graves that we wanted to visit. So we stuck to that side. And then there's a whole other side. This over 20,000 people are buried there. So it is a massive graveyard. You got some time and you're in Austin and it's not freezing and windy, then go check it out because this is one that you will want to visit. And there's a lot of hauntings here. And it's a lot of the hauntings are tied to a lot of the historical figures that are buried there, which is kind of nice because it adds up as to which haunting is who and who it could possibly be. So there was a lot of them. The probably the most famous ghost sighting there is is Susanna Wilkerson uh, or Susanna Dickinson. Her name changed a bunch of times. She was young when she got married to Al Moreau and then he died in the Battle of the Alamo. Then she remarried, I think, like four or five times. So her name flip flopped in her grave. If you're looking for Susanna Dickinson, you're not you're not going to find the grave, but you will find it with a different name on it, which I believe was her name when she died. Uh, after being remarried a few times there, but her grave is there and uh, she was kind of a badass, you know, so she, her husband was, he was in the uh, old Gonzalez 18, which kind of, they, they stood up against the Mexican army and they fought a battle there. And then once that was over, he up and moved to San Antonio, left her behind for a little while. They had a house she was tending to. And um, I'm not sure if there was a whole family situation over there, but he moved off to go continue to fight um, the Mexican army with his Texans over in San Antonio. We covered a whole bunch of the Alamo stuff in our San Antonio episodes. So if you want to dive more into that, definitely go check out the San Antonio episode. If you haven't, that's another location in Texas that we did visit and, and uh, have a live investigation from. So a lot of good stuff in that episode, but she went over, she basically like, like some militia guys, went through the town that she was living in in Gonzalez and stopped by her house and just threatened her. And she's like, all right, I'm not safe here. So I'm going to bounce. And she eventually just went to San Antonio to link up with her husband. And then boom, battle of the Alamo, not exactly the warm welcome in San Antonio that she was looking for. So she took refuge inside the Alamo with a bunch of other women and probably not the best place to take refuge, I guess. But if you're going to go anywhere, go with the soldiers. Right. But it was a, obviously the battle didn't go the way of the Texans and they were all wiped out. She was, she survived. So she's an Alamo survivor. Um, and she actually, Santa Ana gave her a message to go deliver to Sam Houston, which was pretty important. So she delivered that message. What that message said, I don't know, but she delivered the letter. She, up until her death, she was giving recounts of the battle and, and doing speech, uh, public appearances and just telling people about the battle of the Alamo. So she was very important historical figure. And then she died and she was buried here in Oakwood and her ghost is said to haunt the place. And it's a very common full blood, full bodied apparition that haunts Oakwood um, says she constantly, constantly appears to strangers. So we missed out, but yeah, apparently like it's dead on people that have seen her say that like, Oh wow, that's her. Like it's, it, there's no doubt about it. It's Susanna. It looks just like her. So a couple of pictures of her there and a lot of people that see her ghost say it's definitely her. Yeah, it was it was a very different cemetery to walk around too. So, just seeing the different cemeteries throughout the times, like I went from Albany to seeing that one to Indianapolis within about a week, week and a half, and some of the crypts that we saw in Austin were so different. One was terrifying. We we showed it on the live yeah. stream, but there was like this door with like this foggy window to to kind of see what was going on. It looked like an old convenience store door. Yeah. It like the kind really of did, open, yeah, like, uh, like a, an old 7-Eleven or something. But yeah, it was clearly like, it wasn't original to the crypt, but it was or the mausoleum or whatever it is. But 
you could it was like foggy so you're tempted to go up to it and look through when you look through it just looked like a the door was carved with a bunch of like arms. So you just see a bunch of arms. Yeah, that's right. Like, some, yeah, drag me to hell type shit. Like stuff yeah. you see in nightmares, like a bunch of it, arms. It was a glass door and the glass was oxidized. So you couldn't really see through it because it was very cloudy, but you could faintly see through it. And there was clearly something on the other side with some really creepy carvings and great. Yeah, it could it. be something completely not creepy, but all we could make out was just, it yeah. really looks like a bunch of arms. So, right. so then you had John Barclay Armstrong. He was a badass. He was a Texas Ranger, U.S. Marshal, rancher. He tracked down John Wesley Harden, or commonly known as just Wesley Harden, who was a serial killer. Killed like 42 guys. He chased them all around the country, tracked him, and then ended up apprehending him on a train in Florida. But obviously, he's a well-accomplished guy, but this was kind of what he was most known for, but died in 1913, buried at the cemetery. And his ghost is one of the cooler ghost stories. This one, a lot of people report hearing gunshots and seeing... Um, gunpowder flashes and they they chalk this up to him and they even say that it might be Wesley and Barclay just having a shootout <laughs> it's kind of cool so that's the most wild west haunting I've ever heard at a graveyard and I like it I like it a lot so that's uh that's his grave he's he's a cool one yet um Confederate General Thomas Green they he died along with a bunch of these guys at the Red River campaign I was reading into that and I was like oh let me tell this whole entire story but it really didn't have much to do with the haunting but people do hear phantom hoofbeats and they say that maybe he's stuck in a loop and he's repeating his death i don't know how you get that off just hearing hoofbeats but they have also seen his his full full body apparition walking around in his military uniform and wandering among the headstones so if you you get that you get that civil war era military uniform and that could be him so that is another haunting there and then you get the tale of eula phillips do you guys just want to start it off by completely ruling out that this killer was jack the ripper no, I mean, I don't want to. <laughs> my, I had to pick my eyeballs up after yeah. it rolled out of my head when you said. <laughs> I that. had to mention it though. It was it, it was in multiple sources that I was reading. A bunch of people because it it was right before the Jack the Ripper killing started, but the, it seemed like the mo was completely different. He was an axe murderer, and Jack the Ripper was not. I don't think it was Jack the Ripper, but multiple sources that when I was reading up on this were saying it was Jack the Ripper. I was like, oh hell yeah, let's go. We're back. I mean, his thing wasn't killing sex workers. His thing was killing servant girls, apparently. And he killed, I, I guess, eight of them. I'm not sure if they were all women. I didn't fully look into everything that he did. I looked into enough to rule out that I don't really think he's Jack the Ripper, but it had to be mentioned. Had to be mentioned. Anyways, her story. Sad one. 17 years old. Christmas Eve. Gets murdered. Also sad. Her poor husband, because she was married at 17 years old. Different times. It's, people still do that sometimes. He gets arrested on the murder, because you always assume it's the spouse. And gets found guilty. Case closed. No, it's not. Because then the Jack the Ripper of Texas keeps going around murdering girls in the same exact fashion. So they're like, uh, looks like we got the wrong guy. So they release him. I and- can't believe we're talking about Jack the Ripper in Austin, Texas. <laughs> 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 Didn't think that was going to happen, did you? What a twist. But th- this guy was never caught. And uh, he got the name the servant girl killer, but her ghost is, it seems like her ghost is mostly sent sensed by psychics that visit, but there's apparently also been a few sightings of her and uh, her cries can also be heard, which is always creepy. Uh, we had one of those in the last cemetery that we covered last, was that last week? So there have been um, multiple claims like this. And then the psychics say that she appears as a frightened child. Now, I don't know if they're just saying that she's a frightened child because technically at 17, you're kind of a child, right? Uh, in legal terms, anyways, 
but or, or if she's appearing as a child version of herself, I don't know. But either way, she's roaming the cemetery, crying and um, standing by her own grave. So she seems to acknowledge the fact that she's dead or she's just confused. And hauntings can happen like this when it's a sudden death that you're not really expecting. Axe murder would do it, right? So that 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 can lead to a haunting as well. And you know, she's buried here. And it's a sad story. It's a sad one, but it's a creepy one. And it is a conspiracy filled one. If you like to go down that rabbit hole, I do. Well, clearly you had to, you know, working <laughs> into the episode. Absolutely. So can, can we just say that the servant girl killer is like the laziest nickname for a serial killer ever? Just so literal. Is that just what Austin was doing when they were naming their press was naming their serial killers? You get that a lot with the naming the serial killers. You get, you know, the Boston Strangler. That was a guy in Boston who was strangling people. Yeah, that, sounds, <laughs> that that's that sounds good though. Like that just that works. The yeah. servant girl killer is just like, okay, like like the method. The method made the Boston Strangler sound better, right? Yeah. But when you you got to have some ambition, you got to have some moxie. When you're I feel like so, so, killers. Yeah, but some of the cool names come up when the killer like names himself, right? So he writes into the press because they gave him some stupid name. He's like, no, 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 I'm going to be Jack the Ripper. I'm going to be yeah. the BTK killer, whatever. Whoever the they are, yeah, the Zodiac they, killer. Right, right, right. Yeah. Wait, if I were wait. if I were in the news, if I was in the press and I were naming serial killers, I'd give them the dumbest yeah. name just to you piss have to them give off, them the right? worst names. Yeah, yeah. The the sock killer. Yeah, right. the celery eating Teletubbies yeah. watching killer. Yeah, they'd be like, dude, no, none of that's true. Hey, hey, you know, and then, <laughs> then boom, I caught you. I caught you because you didn't want to admit that. The cheese grater, something like that. I don't know, Dave. You got any? You gonna you gonna leave us hanging here? I'm gonna leave you hanging here. Yeah. Oh, Dave, wow. you're, you're like the best at coming up with crap like this. And yeah. You just didn't even dive in. You let Rob do the cheese grater grater joke. You just left him out to dry right there. <laughs> Jesus the, Christ, the snorkeler. He's going to he's going to make us pay at the beginning of the next episode with the worst joke that he's ever done, which is going to be hard because <laughs> all of them are the worst jokes that he's ever done to kick off the episode. The uh, manatee. We got to stop this. Whale blubber. Jim's <laughs> watch says Jim the murder guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's good stuff. All right. Yeah. The Bucky McHat killer. See now, stat, yeah, Stabby Mc, <laughs> Stabby McStabbin says Nancy. <laughs> That's great. The Hokey Pokey Predator. See this? All right. Yeah. Now we're having fun, folks. Now we're coming. Now we're coming with the good stuff. So that is the uh, the Oakwood Cemetery, also known as the Oakwoods, and it is uh, it's a creepy one. It's one I would definitely go back to anytime I'm in Austin. I'm gonna I'm gonna pay a visit to that cemetery because it was super cool and it's so huge that there's so much more that we didn't see. And I'd like to go personally track down. We saw a few of them, but I'd like to track down some of the actual graves of some of these hauntings and maybe run some sort of a spirit box session or some sort of investigation there. We did a brief one, but we didn't really go to the exact spots. So who knows where, which, which area could be haunted, but there's other theories as well. I mean, there was a bunch of, there was a whole section, I guess, when the, the um, cemetery did start off for Popper's graves. So they, they assumed that there was some mass graves. And then there's also, there's different layers to it as well. So it was on disputed Comanche land. So then archaeologists have also said that they've dug up evidence that you guessed it, it's Native American burial ground potentially. So now you have a whole disturbance there. Another disturbed burial site. 
We get this in almost every single episode, mark it off your bingo cards, but there's a whole other reason why it could be haunted. And there's apparently archaeological evidence that says so. So that is uh, many reasons why this place could be haunted. Very cool. Okay. Slugs comes with another one that says Hitchcock Stabby Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Dave Do we want to hit <laughs> Dave the Stepstool Killer? <laughs> 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 Not bad. Not bad. That's a good one. Do we want to hit one bonus location before we wrap this up? Let's sure. do that, and then we'll save the rest of the bonus locations for next week if we burn through the uh, yeah we burn through the hotel too quick. So this is Buffalo Billiards in Austin. It's actually closed now. It is the billiards location is closed. It's super unfortunate because it was literally right outside of our hotel. Yeah, so we walked by this supposedly super haunted building every day 20 times i'm sorry we scooted by it freezing scooted. our asses off yeah scooted. couldn't have stopped if we wanted to our heads were frozen straight we couldn't even turn to look at it it's fucking brutal so buffalo so this is coming from nightlyspirits.com buffalo Bill billiards began its life as the missouri hotel in austin texas first opened back in 1861 by the ziller family they ran it as a boarding house it was one of the most popular spots of the time it was a particularly known to be a hangout for a for cowboys there are even rumors that it operated as a brothel from time to time. So now we get into the hauntings. There is a ghost named Fred. Mm. Throughout the life of this building, there's been many whispers about a spirit. Oh, that Let's take a moment to breathe <laughs> to hearing that terrifying name. <laughs> the trouble is, though, no one knows its name or anything about it. No one has been able to deduce who the spirit is or what causes it to hang around. The staff at Buffalo Billiards, though, decided to name it Fred. He's a prankster, and his pranks are quite regular. He likes to throw himself parties in the after hours, with staff often finding unstacked chairs and open drinks throughout the bar the next day. He's known to shake the bar stools of patrons and give them a little tap on the shoulder, most likely to get a rise out of them. He is, already, he is also reportedly responsible for breaking the exit signs on a few occasions. People have read into that as a sign. He just does not really want to leave. And then there was an incident with Fox News. Fred's pranks and occurrences are a regular thing. It's led many people to investigate Buffalo Billiards to find out a bit more about him. In fact, he even managed to make the news on one occasion. Fox News sent out a team to interview the staff and find out a little bit about him. One staff member in particular, Monica, was given her own microphone. She was the primary focus of many of the interviews, but the news crew seemed a little disappointed in her. She wasn't able to tell them much about him aside from the fact that he existed. The crew got a shock when they played back their footage and sound back in their station. They picked up a faint recording from Monica's personal microphone. When she had been asked if she knew what he wanted, an Irish accent replied, all I want is a wee bit of attention. The crew Dave, worked can, over. Dave, can you step in and do that in the Irish accent since Rob refused? <laughs> All I want is a wee bit of attention. Thank you. Continue. Thank you. The crew worked over time to debunk that and try to find any explanation as to where the response came from. They couldn't, though. This has sealed the idea that Fred is a fun-loving prankster who wants to keep the party going. So there are my other hauntings, but that is like the main one at Buffalo Billiards. My favorite part of the story is when he broke the exit sign so he didn't have to leave. Yeah. How am I supposed to find the exit now? <laughs> How can I get out of here? I can't go if there's no exit sign. It's amazing. Yeah. I feel bad for Fred though, with the place being closed. He likes to party. He likes people being around and 
He's not getting that right now. No, nah, he was partying after hours. Now he's got the whole place to himself 24-7. This is Fred's house now. It's it's empty, Let's though. Let's buy the building. Let's reopen it. We're calling it Fred's house. It'll be reopened eventually in Ghost Trends oh, time. So. That's a prime location. There's no way that's not going to get reopened as something. Do we think it's going to have one of the terrifying ATMs outside of it? There was something unsettling about every ATM in the city of Austin. Mm. They, they I'm, have, sorry, I'm sorry, in the state of Austin. The state of Austin. <laughs> um, a state you don't want to get lost in, from what I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, but there are these ATMs in Austin that look fake. I'm just going to they look. they don't look like they're real ATMs. It looks like it might just be a guy in a suit an ATM suit that's just ripping your ATM card out of your hands as you insert it. I was going to say, I definitely don't think the ATMs looked like a guy in a suit. <laughs> All of them looked like an ATM that everyone has ever told you to be suspicious about, though. Yeah. <laughs> like anyone who's ever suspicious about an ATM that like doesn't have a logo on it or something or has a $15 upcharge, these are the ones where you're like, I'm not, I'm not putting my card in there. I'm yeah. not giving that thing my information. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, agreed. Definitely a security breach if you use any of the ATMs in Austin. I stared clear as much as I could of those. Yes, indeed. So that is part one of Austin, Texas. We will save the rest of it for next week. We'll be back for part two with a special guest on the show. So make sure you guys stick around in this exact YouTube stream for an entire week until we are Do back. not leave. <laughs> <laughs> no, it will be a new link. So for some of you... uh more brave people that actually would do that, which I don't doubt some of you don't. It'll be a different different link, obviously. That's how YouTube works these days for all you youngsters. But that will pretty much do it. Let's hop into some reviews if we got them. Um, I do have one, but as I'm pulling it up, what I would like to say is with that episode next week, uh, we got some evidence that I just cannot wait to share. So definitely tune in. One, you're going to want to, you obviously can still listen on the podcast, but you're going to want to come check out the video of that one too, because it is a uh, video evidence that we are very, very excited to share. Mm -hmm. So one quick review this week, it's from Kimber Kimberly M on Spotify titled five stars. I absolutely love these guys. Simple, sweet to the point, five stars. It's all we need, people. We've gotten a bunch of five-star reviews on Apple the last few weeks, but people aren't writing comments, so I can't read them out. you got to write something when you leave your five-star reviews. You don't have to. No, you do. Every, so. every five-star review is good, but we can't read anything if you don't put a, uh, yeah. <laughs> a comment. We want to praise you for praising us. Mm -hmm. yes. One hand washes the you. other. Speaking of praising people, let's thank our VIPs real quick. We have Dave D, Kate and Steve M, Blazora Glitter Tease, Cami from Washington, Jennifer P, Dakota G, Nick, Donnie N, Inspires Gaming, Allison V, Robert H, Hometown Milkshake Stories, Bring All the Ghosts to the Yard, J9, <laughs> Mallory K, Demon King, who also was a big donator today. Again, thanks again for the $66.66 and 66 cents in Super Chat, as well as the 10 Hometown Ghost Stories memberships. Thank you, Demon King. We also have Mom and Pops Wilking, Wilkins, Hard one. It's a hard name to remember. I'm going to try to get this one down eventually. <laughs> I mean, have I like it's like 36 years of practice? Yeah. Is this rock bottom when I when I mess up my own last name? I've been working in radio my whole life, and I've been saying my last name for even longer than my whole life. All right, moving on. We also have Lisa J, who this episode is dedicated to. Thank you so much, Lisa. Our first VIP ever. That's amazing. And then we also have in the heat of the night bot. Thanks so much for being Ooh. VIPs. Next up, we're going to hit the Warren's Wards, 
And let's kick it off with the one and only Lacey. Nefarious Chad Poles, Wahini Pirate, I Hate Rob, Julie G. I'm sorry, I'm going to say the last name there because it's probably not her last name, but it's Julie Gooley, and that's fun to say. Ah, I had fun. You had fun listening to me say it. I'm going to yes. say it again. Julie Gooley. Just I thought you weren't actually going to say it again. I thought you were about to just keep going. I was no, so no, no. I went for round two, and it was just as good as round one. Eugene M. Arcade Hunters, Siobhan, not Sharon, Kath Q. Drop Dead Fred hides the exits to keep friends. That was really quick. Well done. Nice. DC, Chris Connolly, LBPS founder, next HTGS guest, the other Rachel B, Sarah Cook, Stitch Kitten, Ambie Rose, Janice G, Jesse's allegedly discovered bone fragments. Lily, Rachel B, the state of Austin is the sixth tallest state. <laughs> <laughs> mirror, mirror on the wall, I'm the prettiest worm of all. Papa Squats, Jake V, lady in purple with a list to haunt Steph A, and loving it. Thank you so much for being part of the Warren's Wards. Next up, we're going to hop into the Ghost Pirate Mafia. Starting with Cold Warrior, Dave's authentic dead body, Rob's pickled penis sealed for freshness. <laughs> if you didn't listen... To the side content, you're probably confused. Or so you're not. You're not confused. confused. <laughs> pure nonsense. Yep. <laughs> D from H Town, Meteus, Sarah B, Dominica, Queen Chan's Revenge, Angel F, Monster Mom 04, Shannon K, Ali, Dark Snark, Dave, you should talk more. Half the time, no one remembers you're even here. <laughs> By the way, stay away from my step stool. <laughs> Megan S, Morgan S, a ghost walks into a bar. He did not notice. Mark Twain in the Haunted Grape, Sharon V, yeah. Wayne C, Kelly C, the Sloppy Seconds Killer. There we go. Oh, that's oh. see, that's that's a Patreon idea. Everyone <laughs> give yourself a serial killer name. Oh, that is good. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be fucked up when like an actual serial killer like is in the news and they have one of these names. And we're like, oh, we don't know if that's our patron or not. <laughs> <laughs> Crystal Quinn, Aaron A, Mina H, Colby, the unnamed serial killer. But you're kind of named because you named yourself. The <laughs> your name's Colby. Yeah, Daddy Rob is thicker than a spooky Snickers. <laughs> Alicia E, Thick Boy Freddy, allegedly begrudgingly haunting the projection box because someone removed my preserved pickled penis. <laughs> Jack ripping his way through every episode. Yep. Uh, hometown scooting stories. The sixth tallest stream <laughs> in the state of Austin. <laughs> you're never going to hear the end of that, Rob. Sam from the Paul. Joe, yes, Australia does have states. Are there we go. Paul from St. Louis. Al Capone, Huggy Bear, Ballsy Maids, Love, Pickle Butt Shots from Rob's Pickled Pecker. <laughs> Somehow I couldn't say my own last name earlier, but I said that perfectly. I don't really have that for you. <laughs> Solar Flare, Mariah M, Kiralee J, Anthony in all of his form. Rob is mid-A-F-T. <laughs> Derek the Plumber. Watch out, Dave. Uh, Brandon W, Hooper the Hellhound, Soph, and uh, oh, Elephantas in a Rose, which is Greek for the elephants are red. No, pink. Yes. Shit. I've been studying this so hard for so long, and I fucked up the first color that I learned. Sorry, you also fucked up your own name. Are pink. Yeah, there are no limits to what I will mess up while reading this list. I'm stressed. I'm sweating. I never sweat. <laughs> Anyways, that uh, that is the, the list of patrons. So thank you guys for joining. $3 a month will get you on Patreon. Once again, Paranormal Portal. If you haven't checked it out yet, go check it out. We were guests on that show. And if you don't tune in for anything else, just fast forward to the part where we have a contest about ghosts and cryptids. And I kicked the shit out of everyone. So that's right. It's incorrect. Yep. That's exactly yep. how it happened. Did not win it with a rock, paper, scissors match. That's not how it ended. I ended Fun fact, the only, the only one who lost was actually Rob. 
see that you can go watch it for that not true not true you you lost no jesse and i tied for first place the audience lost too so (laughs) um also by the way our friend chris over at haunted american history he's starting to do more live streams so i think it's chris h-a-h is his youtube channel go over there show him some love let him know you came from hometown ghost stories Hell yeah. All right. I think that'll pretty much do it. We'll be back on Friday with a brand new horror movie review. We are going to cover the movie Talk to Me. It's kind of a newer movie, so we will be spoiling it. So if you haven't seen it yet, make sure you check that out. And um, yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. So it's a lot of fun. So Talk to Me is the movie coming up. And then we'll be back next week for... Well, you know, you know, some of these movies, I'm like, go watch it unless you don't feel like it. <laughs> you know, this one, you'll enjoy it. Go, go check it out. And we're going to review it. So uh, that is that. We will be back on next Tuesday for part two of Austin. Make sure you stay tuned to that. So if you're listening to this episode, I'm like, what the hell? You didn't even cover this haunted location or that one. Now we're going to cover more next week. Don't you worry about that. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. <laughs>